Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football's whirlwind of an offseason continues with more movement on the coaching front. Is Sharon Moore's staff close to being finalized? Plus, a new NIL initiative at Michigan and what it means moving forward, a notable transfer portal departure, and Michigan MSU hoops. All ahead on Wolverine Confidential. Aaron, good to be with you on this uh, sunny Tuesday morning in February. Gotta like that. But uh, it's funny, we were discussing topics this morning on, on what we were planning on discussing and uh, got done with the outline. It's like, wow, what a, what a newsworthy week. And since it's been our last pod, there's a lot of stuff that, have, that has happened since then. Yeah, it's it's been a busy offseason. Now, part of it, obviously, is a coaching transition. That always leads to all kinds of stuff going on. Um, you know, you got to fill out a staff. You got to worry about transfers. Um, you got to retain the roster. And then we forget, like, spring practice is, like, less than, like, a month away. So it's it hasn't really been much of an offseason, at least for us. Um, the, pl- the players may be a little different. But, yeah, it's, it's been busy. So it's, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, let's let's start with the with the coaching carousel here. It seems like, uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, more more juggling on the coaching staff. And uh, what's the latest on that front? Well, Sharon is closer to finalizing staff. I, I don't know that it's necessarily set yet, but we have an idea of of who's filling who's kind of filling these spots. Um, you know, last we spoke, we Michigan had a defensive coordinator in place, and Wink Martindale. Has it still been officially announced yet by the school? But I'm expecting it to happen sometime this week. Um, but they have apparently found a new defensive backs coach, uh, Lamar Morgan, uh, former defensive coordinator at Louisiana. Um, you know, history of coaching there in the South. A former player there at Louisiana as well. He's going to come in and, and, by all accounts, coach both the cornerbacks and the safeties. Um, a little bit of a different setup from previous years. Uh, where you know we had Steve Klingscale coaching the, the corners, helping with the safeties, but Jay Harbaugh was primarily in charge of the safeties. So Lamar is going to come in, um, another relatively younger guy. He's under 40, um, has extensive playing experience, extensive coaching experience. Again, he was D.C. at Louisiana. So he's going to come in and, and kind of take over the DBs and, and help Wink Martindale out. And then line, at linebackers, coach uh, Brian Jean-Marie is coming back. If you remember the name, he coached at Michigan for one season back in 2020, the COVID year. Uh, he left after that season to go to Tennessee, where he's been the last three years. Reports coming out that, you know, he 
He is going to be the linebackers coach and help organize the the run defense for Michigan, which I guess you can call a step up. My understanding is he did get a pay raise out of this um, because I don't know that you, you necessarily want to leave Tennessee given the situation there. They're 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 doing they're okay. Um, you know, there's continuity there. He's familiar with Tennessee, but by all accounts, he he is coming back and and, and going to coach the linebackers. Um, Greg Scruggs, as we know, has been reported uh, like last week. He's going to be the defensive line coach again. Another name that. Hasn't been announced yet. We're waiting on all these formally announced by Michigan. They got to go through the background process. And from what I've been told, that's been a little, that's been elongated this this cycle because of all this stuff that's gone on in the last year or so with, you know, Shemi Schembechler um, and Connor Stallions, everything else. Michigan's kind of crossing, taking its time to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Yeah, it definitely sounded like Michigan kind of had outbid Tennessee for, for Jean Marie because I, I think he's well liked there. Um, so it's now it's like, well, it's like he's going from one program under investigation to another, but like uh, he does have familiarity with, with Shromore and, and the Michigan staff. Uh, I think for recruiting, he, he will be a really good addition too. Uh, and like you said, he's doing a little bit more responsibility by, by coming to Ann Arbor. Um, as far as Morgan, it seems like at least with him that it's probably likely that his one year, with Jesse Minter at Vanderbilt, you would think probably was a uh, was a big factor in, in bringing him to Ann Arbor. Absolutely, I mean he was a defensive backs coach when Jesse was the coordinator uh, at Vanderbilt for that one year back in twenty twenty one. So th- it sounds like he came well regarded. He was um, recommended, uh, and, and you know it, it makes sense, right? He's familiar with what I, the idea of what Michigan wants to run. He has coordinating experience under his belt, so he he's familiar with kind of all sides of the defense. Um, and while he's at heart, he's defensive back, he can help out in other areas too. So uh, it, it helps. Um, you know, I think we, Martinell's obviously going to have kind of the, the, the run of the mill here, the lay of the land. He can do what he wants and run how he wants. But he's got some, you know, experienced guys under his belt. They're probably going to go out there and recruit, hit the recruiting trail hard. And that's kind of what the key is here, right? Like adding these assistants is going to help unlock, you know, Michigan when it comes to the recruiting trail. John Marie is he's got experience in the South. He's very good at recruiting Florida. That was one of the reasons why Michigan brought him on. If you recall back in 2020, he has extensive recruiting ties in the state of Florida. Now he couldn't use them a ton because when he got here, COVID hit and they kind of shut down all the recruiting stuff. But now that he's back, I mean, it's certainly going to help Michigan. They've recruited Florida in the past. It's We know it's a hotbed for for high school talent. So that's certainly going to help. And then same thing with Lamar Morgan. He's got ties to the deep South, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, um, even Florida too. So it's going to unlock some areas for Michigan. I, I, we'll see it, you know, how quickly the results come. But, you know, we, we talked last week, Wink Martindale is going to need some help to some younger guys that can recruit and hit the recruiting trail hard. And I think, I, I, I do think Sheryl Moore's found those guys. It is interesting though with Morgan because it, it wasn't like he was the, the top option for the job either. I mean, it seemed like Michigan was set to, to pry uh, Steven uh, Adagoki from, from the Houston Texans, a guy that also has familiarity with the program. It was reported uh, that he was set to join Michigan staff. And then all of a sudden, the Houston Texans made a, a push to keep him and he decided to, to stay, which uh, kind of put Michigan in a tough spot. Yeah, I was kind of surprised originally that he was going to accept that job because he was going to go from you know being a safeties coach for the Houston Texans to being the defensive backs coach at Michigan. To me, that's kind of a lateral move. Now, I, I, my understanding is Michigan probably offered him a little bit more money originally, uh, which may have incentivized him to come. But I, I do think 
you know, um, you know, Stevens had a, had a good couple of years under D'Amico Ryan's first in San Francisco as a as a kind of quality control analyst, and then last year as an on field coach. But you know, I, I, we we've talked about this in you know weeks past. I, I don't see a lot of coaches going from the NFL realm to college now. It, in fact, it's it, we've as we've seen this offseason, it's been the opposite. Co- coaches leaving college and going to the NFL. So it uh, makes sense that he's staying. I mean, it's, it's cer- certainly a more stable environment. The Texans are doing a very good job. They're they're on the rise here in the NFL. So it would make sense for him to stay, um, especially if he got he got a raise out of it. Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, the, the original report had him coming and he was hailed. You know, I can tell you folks behind the scenes loved him. You know, he was at Michigan for, I believe, a year as a, as a GA. Um, you know, the, the the safeties and the defensive backs loved the dude. He was very personable, well-liked in the building. And there was there was a point there at that, at that point that, you know, folks internally were pushing for him to, to get promoted and get an on-field role. He didn't ultimately get that. He ended up going to the NFL. Um, but, you know, he's in the NFL. And I, I don't blame him for not wanting to leave. It, it's, it's a much more stable environment, much more, you know, it's, it's just an easier time. You know, you don't you don't have to do all the recruiting. You don't have to do all the hand-holding. So he's going to stay, at least for now, and, and Michigan's going to roll with Lamar Morgan. It, it, it is their number two option, but, you know, it's I don't I don't think it's a bad number two option either. Yeah, I mean, as as we said, like, they're still going through the, the background checks and finalizing the hiring process, but... Bottom line, man, like like you said earlier, spring ball is right r- around the corner and, and you really want to have this staff in place by by the time things get going there, too. So uh, it's being close to being finalized. But as we said, these things have to go. Some paperwork has to be done. And we still really haven't heard much about Mike Hart and his future at, at Michigan either. I mean, his contract is expired, but we haven't really heard either way what what his plans are, what Michigan's plans are for him either. No, and he's the he's the biggest question at this point because if you put all these names in, you know on the list here with Michigan sitting at nine on field assistants and you're allowed ten, Mike Hart would be the tenth. But again, we haven't we haven't heard much on his situation. I can't get a clear answer of what's going on there. As you said, his contract did expire back in January, so he's been working without a deal. That now that doesn't mean he, he can't work. You're just he's not you know exclusive to Michigan. He could take a job elsewhere if he so chooses. So uh, Michigan's got to figure that out. They do have about you know. Three three weeks or so to, to figure out what's going on with him, and if he does, if he ultimately does not come back, Michigan's gonna have to find a running backs coach, someone to take over that spot. So, um, you know, Mike's kind of the last missing piece at this point. Assuming none of these guys fail fail their background checks or decide to go elsewhere uh, before spring practice, uh, you know, begins. But yeah, assuming Mike Hart is coming back, and it's you know we don't know at this point, he would make ten. Otherwise, sure one more would have to make make one more hire. Let's shift to some actual roster movement here. Uh, it's kind of funny. We're like almost maybe a day or two after Michigan announced this new uh, NIL initiative to kind of bolster their NIL efforts. Less than 24 hours later, Keon Sab, uh, a promising safety for the Wolverines, announced he's entering the transfer portal, and he just announced his destination on Monday night. And he is heading to Alabama in the SEC, which uh, – uh, I mean, now coached by Kalen DeBoer, Keon Sab played uh, a good amount in the in the national championship game, and I thought he had a pretty solid game there as well. And and I mean, hey, DeBoer had a, a front row seat to to see in that. And uh, I mean, he was a highly regarded prospect, either top 100 or just outside the top 100. 
Um, still has a, a couple years of eligibility left, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan is returning McCarty Page and Rod Moore, but you would like a little bit of depth at that position. And if I'm being honest, I mean, I, I thought Keon Sab's ceiling is a lot higher than McCarty Page, who at this point you kind of know what you're going to get. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it could be a major blow to the team. I do think it's a major blow. Um, on its face, the, the move makes sense to me. As you said, Macari Page is coming back. Ron Moore is coming back. Two Michigan starting safeties. So the assumption going into the offseason that those two will be the starters this fall, you know, you could have potentially moved one of them to a nickel spot and, and inserted, you know, Keon here to get him more involved. You know, look, he was ready for a starting role. We saw that, right? He started four, five games this past this past year, started the national championship. When Macari was injured, Keon came in and, and played relatively well. He had two interceptions, I think six pass breakups. Uh, as, as a redshirt freshman, so the, the kid, the kid is talented. There's no doubt about it. Um, but with you know, with the two starters coming back, Michigan losing its head coach, defensive coordinator, his position coach Jay Harbaugh, all that together in a blender makes sense to me. You want to move on. You want to go somewhere else where you think you can play right away, be a starter, and be an impact guy. Because going into the offseason, the presumption was he probably would have had to had try and win the starting job or hope that one of those guys gets moved to a nickel or some other fifth defensive back role so he can get in and get more playing time. So that that's kind of a gamble. So I, I get it. You know, it, he wants to go out, go somewhere else and, and play right away. And don't forget, you know, Alabama, we, you were just talking about, their, their, their general manager is Courtney Morgan, former Michigan guy. So I got to think Courtney was paying attention I, at, to these Michigan guys. They they saw them all on film and preparing when they, when they were at Washington. Uh, so it, it, it makes sense. Um, you know, if you're Michigan, it's a blow. You know, it would have helped certainly help with the the, the depth of the defensive backfield. You know, we were talking last week. I I I thought this defense could be very good going in, going into next year, assuming none of these guys leave because they had the depth in the backfield. They got enough playmakers up front that they can make it work. Uh, so this is certainly a blow. Uh, no, there's no doubt about it. You would have liked to have Keon back. He he was a very good player, up and comer. He could have been the next, you know, uh, potential you know All American candidate in a year or two. My understanding, I think he's still three years of eligibility left, so he's got time. Uh, you know, he's gonna have a lot of time to develop at Alabama. He's probably gonna go in and play right away. And, you know, good for him. It, it's a move that makes sense. I'm sure NIL was involved here. In fact, the announcement Monday night that he in fact transferred came from Alabama's NIL collective. So we're in a different world now where things are changing and announcements are coming from collectives now. Yeah. Uh but yes, yeah, nonetheless, <laughs> Keon is gone. He's at Alabama enrolled and, and apparently ready to go for the Crimson Tide in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean NIL continues to be a burning topic and uh, as far as roster retention and recruiting and all that stuff too. And, and Michigan is trying to take steps and, and, and take positive strides in that area. Um, there was a big announcement last week with uh, Ward Manuel was a part of it too. And, and, and Michigan announced that it's extended its partnership with Learfield and is combining forces with uh, Altius Sports Partners, uh, essentially a firm that pro provides strategic solutions in the NIL space. And with that partnership, Michigan is creating two new positions, um, an executive general manager position uh, and uh, a senior manager of business development. So there was a lot of buzzwords thrown out in the roundtable discussion. It was uh, um, Ward Manuel and, and representatives from uh, Altius and Learfield uh, answering a bunch of questions with reporters. <sighs> I don't know how it's, it's tough because it, like I said, there's a lot of buzzwords being thrown about and everything sounds all good and gravy, but 
you need to see some results in the pudding. And at this point, we've we've talked about this before. It, it seems like Michigan has been lacking a little bit in that area. Um, I guess these positions will essentially be like an NIL liaison between the collectives at Michigan, the coaches, the athletes, university administrators with the goal of kind of streamlining NIL efforts to get them boost their their efforts and, and maybe uh, make them more competitive in the NAL space. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's the next, I guess, logical move for Michigan. Um, we'll, we'll see if it makes a difference. I think without a strategic, a change in strategy behind the scenes from Michigan, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how much this, this is going to move the needle here. Um, we'll see. Obviously you got to give these folks some time. Um, it, it sounds, you know, in listening to Ward Manual talk, it sounds like they're dedicated to try and improve this thing. You know, he did say that they're going to try and be more aggressive in the, in the NIL space. I don't exactly know what that's going to look like, but they seem to think that by adding these two roles, um, it, it's it's going to put them in that direction. We'll see. Time will obviously tell. But nonetheless, I mean, we've talked about this, I feel like, ad nauseum now for the last you know, year or two. Michigan has clearly been behind when it comes to NIL efforts. Um, you know, it's important to point out too, like Ward has said that we're not going to be in the inducement business. You know, he said that nonstop. He said that again last week when we spoke to him. So without, you know, being more, you know, without towing the line there and, and getting involved with that stuff, I just don't know how much more Michigan can do from an NIL, from an NIL point of view. We'll see. Um, you know, they, they lost obviously Keon Sab. I think one of the reasons was NIL, obviously, and all the other stuff we, we just talked about. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, they, they haven't gotten, you know, high level recruiting class the last couple of years. We assume NIL is a big reason why, um, you know, and, and without that headliner head coach, right, like Jim Harbaugh, the name value and some of the big time, you know, assistant coaches, we'll see what happens. But Michigan's going to have to up its recruiting game. There's no doubt about it. Not only, you know, in the field, but you know, when it comes to NIL as well. Yeah. I was speaking with uh, Bryce Marich of the Michigan Cider, who's uh, been very resourceful for, for us, obviously, and very knowledgeable about the Michigan recruiting efforts. And it's funny because we, we both were saying like the, the recruits that we've talked to often talked to mention like why they go to Michigan and choose Michigan. And, and very rarely it's, it's they. I don't think I've ever heard Oh, it's because of their NIL pitch. It's all like a lot of them actually say, yeah, I, I don't really care about NIL as much. I, I want to get an education. I want to win football games, stuff like that. But like that automatically eliminates them from contention with a lot of top guys who, I mean, every year and every cycle now feel like more and more prospects and even transfer portal players are prioritizing a quick payday and NIL opportunities more than anything else. And I mean, I can't really blame them for that. Like it's, that's what, that's the, the, the new era we're, we're living in, in, in college athletics and, Mission needs to keep up with the times and we'll we'll see if this if this moves the needle much. I mean, they've done they've announced certain in, initiatives before that I mean that I mean Empower happened what last last year and we have I haven't really heard much or of anything um in, in that regard in a long time. So it's just because you announce something and say something doesn't mean it's gonna magically change things, but I think this it can only be beneficial at this point and and mission felt like they need to make some changes and step up their game and this at least shows that they're trying to uh i mean and another thing too it's they mentioned the alumni base and donor base and, and building relationships there and and cultivating those relationships and trying to does they need to improve that area too you hear numbers being thrown around out there and how much other collectives at other schools are raising 
And it doesn't even seem like Michigan's anywhere close to that, which is pretty wild given the expanse of the the Michigan alumni base is. And uh, obviously it's a good university. There's there's a lot of U of M alums holding prominent positions in many different fields across the country. You would think that they would be able to compete with some of the other collectives. And at this point, doesn't seem to be the case. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's too early at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, back-to-back recruiting classes outside the top 15 when you're competing for Big Ten championships now for three straight years and you're coming off the national title, not, not a great look. Transitioning now over to a little bit of NFL talk and, and NFL combine talk. I mean, I think uh, Aaron might have his busiest combine ever in Indianapolis here starting later this month, uh, Michigan setting a record with 18 players invited to the combine uh, out of the 321 total players invited. That's more than 5% of the entire field, which, I mean, it's not that surprising. We we knew how, how deep this team was this year. This is why they won a, a, a national title, uh, a lot of key pieces in a lot of places, and now a lot of them are gone, and they're going to for NFL opportunities. And it's, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll run down the list here real quick. We got quarterback J.J. McCarthy, running back Blake Corum, receivers Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, tight end A.J. Barner, uh, six offensive linemen, Carson Barnhart, Ladarius Henderson, Trent A. Jones, Trevor Keegan, Drake Nugent, Zach Zinner. I mean, which is insane to me because you only have five starting offensive linemen at a time unless you bring in six, which which Trent Jones was at, at some point this year, but still pretty impressive. They said they were deep at offensive line. Yeah, they and they they sure were. Then uh, on defense, you got the the linemen or edges, Jalen Jalen Harrell, Chris Jenkins, Braden McGregor, Mike Barrett, and Junior Colson at linebacker, and then defensive backs, Mike Sanderson and Josh Wallace. So. First of all, are you surprised by by this number, or did anyone surprise you by getting an invite? I mean, we've seen even last year that a lot of guys enter the draft, but they don't always get an invite and have to work out at their pro day instead. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, I can remember last summer when Jim told told me and a couple of the reporters that he felt like Michigan you know, could break the NFL draft record this year, uh, Georgia's record of 15. So... Uh, no, I mean, if, if you look at all these guys that you know that you just listed off, I mean, all these guys were either starters or or played extensively, so it, it makes sense, right? There, I don't think there were any snubs. I don't think any of these guys deserve not to be there. Um, you got to remember when when the combine list is put out, it's a lot of NFL scouts and teams kind of going over guys that they they think a can be drafted and b they want to see up close and personal. So. Um, it, no, I mean, all these guys had a huge impact on this Michigan football team. Remember they went 15 and 0 and won a national championship. So I, I think when you have this many draft eligible guys and guys ready to, to go out, it makes sense that you would have this, you know, this number McCarthy's going to be front and center. You know, he wasn't at the senior bowl. Uh, you know, he hasn't really done any off season stuff. So he's going to be, and obviously given the nature of his, his position, um, him being a first round pick, he's going to be front and center in Indianapolis next week. I'm curious to see how he works out and how he interviews. I, I, I suspect he'll do he'll do well at both. Uh, Blake Corum is another name, running back. You know, I know that position isn't exactly heralded in the NFL, or but you know, nonetheless, he had he had an extensive decorated career at Michigan. So I expect him to go relatively early when it comes to running backs. And then you mentioned the offensive linemen. I mean, they had, you know, six guys that they, they used, per, you know, six or seven pretty extensively. So it makes sense that six are there. Um, 
so yeah, I, no, I mean, no, no, no name surprised me. I don't think anyone's really snubbed. Uh, and I, I do think all 18 of these guys have a legitimate shot of being drafted uh, at the end of April. Yeah, to me, what what I'll be looking for at the combine is, yeah, like what what J.J. McCarthy decides to do. I mean, at this point, it seems like his stock is rising every day with just with these uh, experts just evaluating his tape. So it's like, do you risk it and 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 do everything at the combine and, and risk having a bad day there? I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I could see him definitely running the 40. Um, he's, he's got some good speed and, and I think he will interview well, but like, do you want to go through a bunch of drills and have, and risk having an off day when it seems like your, your stock is soaring, it will be a, a little bit of a strategic play there by, by McCarthy. And then, uh, yeah, the, the Roman Wilson in, in the 40 yard dash. And it seems like you wrote about this when at the senior bowl too, it seems like his stock has, has risen a lot since, uh, since the end of the season and, uh, we, we know he could fly his speed is his calling card. And I think if he can run uh, a solid time in the 40 and, and be one of the fastest players in the 40, that could only boost his, his stock too. I mean, we, we know how much the, the NFL has, has become a speed game and, and teams love the the burners and guys that can, can get, get behind the, the secondary and, and make big plays. So th- that, those are the two things that I'll be, I'll definitely be interested in. Part of the, the, the hype, I think, behind J.J. right now is I, I think the assumption is he's going to go to Indianapolis and, and do well. I, I think that's part of it. You know, I, I, th- I don't know if there is enough tape on J.J. And that's that's one of the things I think a lot of NFL like draft prognosticators and scouts are wrestling with at this point. I, I think they they know J.J. is good. They know he's got the ability and the ceiling is high, but he just couldn't put it enough of it on tape at Michigan just based on the offense they were running. They ran the ball a lot. Uh, they didn't they didn't like to throw the ball deep a ton. So I, I, part of me wonders if, if if JJ feels like he has to go to Indianapolis and, and perform well. But again, you know, we, we've seen years past where guys do show up and they don't do everything. So I, I am curious to see what he does if he decides to do everything or not. And it, it, yeah, if it you know if it, if it matches what these folks think he's going to do. Um, as for the speed thing with Roman Wilson, it's interesting you brought that up because remember last year, you know, DJ Turner went to the the combine and blew the brakes off of it. I mean, <laughs> like he set records and he was fat, fastest guy there and everything else. And everyone assumed that was going to move him up. And, you know, he had late first round talk on him early second and look at where he ended up getting drafted. It was still late second borderline third round. So I, I, I'm curious to see, I, I'm assuming Roman's going to run well. I mean, he is a fast dude and, and he showed it in mobile at the senior bowl, but I, I do think he's going to have to show a little bit more than that because he's undersized. And that was a similar situation with DJ Turner last year. Obviously different positions, but very similar you know, storylines. You have undersized dudes at their positions, but very fast. So I, I don't know. I, I do think Roman's going to have to show a little bit more than just his speed. Uh, now, that's not to say he's going to just do, the, just, just do the, the speed thing. It's possible his agent just tells him to go out there and run and, and let that speak for yourself. But I, I think scouts, in a way, NFL scouts have wised up a little bit to that stuff, and they, they need more than just, hey, you can get out there and, and run fast. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating week just based on the volume of NFL Michigan guys there. But, again, you know who's, who's banged up, who's injured, who t- decides not to do things. Um, because there were several guys in Mobile, you know, a few weeks ago that that didn't finish because they were injured. So um, inter- it's going to be an interesting week in Indy. It'll be a long week in Indianapolis. But we'll obviously, yeah, we'll have coverage all all next week at MLive.com. Yeah, Aaron will be there throughout, and, and along with two of our Detroit Lions reporters too. For any Lions fans out there, we'll have wall to wall coverage on MLive.com. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 
I don't know if you remember, but I feel like Turner, after he ran that fast 40 time, didn't really participate in many other drills too. So I don't know maybe if that hurt him at all. Um, but yeah, it, it's such, such a strategic move to, to for these players and agents to tell their players to, to participate in certain things. And it's I, I've always wondered how exactly that works and how they determine that. But yeah, it will be a, a very busy week for the for the Wolverines in Indianapolis. We, we also need to talk a little bit Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, just I, I, I might as well just wrap it all into the rivalry in general because it, it's funny because there's been so many sports in recent years where Michigan has just dominated the Spartans. And this year, obviously, football was a completely different story, uh, just an absolute beatdown in East Lansing. But then and now in, in, uh, in hockey this year, the Spartans win three of four, including a, a recent sweep. And then this most recently this weekend, Michigan State men and women's hoops both beat the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Uh, I didn't catch really any of the men's game on on uh, Saturday night. I was watching and, and writing about the the hockey game, um, but it seems like another uh, a blown lead for for Michigan in the second half. I did cover the women's game on Sunday afternoon. And that was an insane game of runs. I mean, Michigan got down pretty big in the first half, stormed out in the third quarter and on a 13-0 run to take the lead and then kind of stumbled down the stretch, made another push late and just didn't have enough juice and, and lost 70-66, uh, to 66, like I said. Lost both games in the series for the first time since 2019. I think it might be the same for the men too. So, uh, yeah, I mean – I'll did to you in a second area, but I also kind of want to hear from our listeners too. I mean, if there's ever any questions or topics you want us to discuss on this pod, please reach out to us and share. Um, but like, just curious on, on what people's thoughts are on, on this rivalry at this point in, in multiple sports. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, like Michigan might not, I mean, the women's team has been in the tournament a lot uh, recently. Men's team has made it outside of last year. Hockey team back to back Frozen Fours has had a, a good run here too. They're currently on the NCAA bubble, and then now baseball and softball both in, in transitions with second year coaches now replacing two uh, household names, and and still juries out on them how how they will be this year. So it's kind of interesting and different that these teams might uh, not make the tournament after having such strong runs. And kind of curious what what your guys' thoughts are on that. And I guess Aaron will will kind of start with you if you want to start at least with with hoops. Yeah, I mean, I saw a good chunk of the men's game over the weekend, and it, like you said, it was a similar story than to previous games, right? Michigan came out of the gate playing really well. You know, they had a lead there in the first half. You think, okay, you know, they're looking good, they're playing competitive. It's going to be a, uh, you know, this game's going to go around the wire. Maybe they win it, and then again, it's a similar story in the second half where. Uh, you know, it almost seems like Juwan Howard gets out schemed at halftime, and, and you know, it seems like it's it's been the story all season long. And and Michigan fades down the stretch. I think there was a point where they went scoreless, and and they got the turnovers play a factor. I think they had twenty two of them. You can't do that, uh, especially against you know a rival. And I think look top to bottom, I think this Michigan State team was just, was just better than Michigan. So going in, it made sense that they were favored, and the expectation was that they were going to win. Um, but you know, it, it just I, I think at some point it gets it starts to become like 
agonizing that you you play so well for one half and then you throw it all away in the second half with you know a poor stretch of play or you know poor play calling or, or whatever the case may be it's kind of been different situations different games but it was i don't know it was a similar story and it, it's it's been the the narrative all season long michigan plays relatively well in the first half and they can't put it away in the second half where they, they go cold so um you know time's running out in juan howard you know i, I do think he's probably i lean with with Andrew, that he's probably going to get another year. Just hearing what Ward Manuel's been telling us the last couple of months, it does sound like he's willing to be patient with him. So we'll see. And, and, and it sounds like Juwan was pretty defiant. You know, after Saturday's games, you know, someone asked him, you know, about if he's, you know, if, if he considers stepping down or leaving after the season. And he said, no, he's, he's not a quitter. That's not something he's he, he's ever done. He always he always tries to find solutions to, to the pro, to fix the problem. And it sounds like that's what he's going to try and do this offseason. So uh, season's obviously not over. Uh, Michigan certainly isn't anywhere near the NCAA tournament bubble, and they'd have to win the Big Ten tournament to get in. But uh, you, you got to think, you know, the, the solutions should, should you know, the, the search for solutions should begin now uh, as opposed to maybe at the end of the season when, you know, you, know, you get a concentrated amount of time. Right, yeah. I mean, only a couple games left in, in the regular season. And we, we did ask Ward on the, the roundtable. Uh, he decided to stay on on the video conference for a little bit and answer some non-NAL-related questions. And he was asked about Jawan's future again and, and basically in, in endorsed him and said, hey, he's not even thinking about making the change at this point. So it's tough to say what the, the offseason will hold. I, mean, I think you do have to do a deep dive and evaluate all your options, especially with only one year left. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's got to be tough right now. I mean, nobody really expected them to be in the basement of the Big Ten uh it's it's been a trying season for this team and and yeah i I don't know if there's any easy fixes this this off season or or what so we'll we'll see what happens um but yeah not not, things aren't going going well right now for for some some teams and yeah i mean even the hockey team on this weekend too go to goes to penn state uh basically needed two wins to um, just to improve their the NCAA tournament chances, uh, Penn State just is having a, a down year, and Michigan goes out wins on Friday five to three, um, and then come back and uh, kind of stumble on on Saturday and and, and lose and with uh, with another kind of poor third period. Um, yeah, it's they're right they're they're in danger now of actually missing the tournament. They're currently 16th in the pairwise. Only four games left in the regular season. Um, they'll probably going to finish fourth or fifth now in, in the Big Ten, and it's a four versus five matchup this weekend at Yost with Michigan and Notre Dame, both teams fighting for their tournament lives and for home ice advantage in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And Michigan's probably going to need at least win uh, the, the first round series to uh, to have a chance at 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 making the tournament this year. So a little bit of unfamiliar position for the Wolverines who have earned number one seeds the past two years, uh, obviously lost a lot from last season's team, but yeah, I, I still think this team is a tournament team. They, they have the talent that they, they just, they have these lapses in games that, that cost them, especially in the third period. And now their backs are against the wall. So we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, it's crunch time now on, uh, on the ice for, for the Wolverines. And that will wrap up today's pod. As always, thanks for listening. And yeah, like I said earlier, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback or, or any topics or questions you want us to answer, we're more than willing to, to hear that. So yeah, I mean, I'm at rzuke, Z-U-K-E, 
the number one at mlive.com or at Ryan Zook on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call call it. Aaron, uh, you're... Yeah, no number in my email address. It's A McMahon, my last name, at mlive.com, and I'm Aaron McMahon on, on X. Yeah, Andrew will be joining us back for, for next week too. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.